So in our practice uh, so far, we um, have been bringing our attention kind of more fully into the body, into the space of awareness, uh, using breath or sound or metta, for those who are familiar with it, as a primary anchor for attention. And we've also opened to an attitude of friendliness and of receptivity towards experience. That's what we were doing yesterday afternoon. Uh, Towards experience, including our meditation anchor, the body sensations, um, and living beings, such as ourselves and others. And this is going to continue to be our primary exploration. Bringing awareness, meeting experience through the body, using an anchor, uh, doing that with an atmosphere of kindness, of friendliness, and of interest. And kind of a lot of the reason that we practice in this way, that simplification of experience as we practice in this way, uh, supports both a sense of stability within the kind of ongoing unfolding of events, internal and external, Um, and also um, a sense of some space which allows response. We also want to begin, or actually continue, because cultivating this stability and and spaciousness is already a beginning. Um, But we actually want to continue and also develop skill in meeting the painful, or the uncomfortable, or the challenging, when they arise, when they arise. And so, one thing we probably already know, but we can also notice yeah. when, um, and, and I'll already say this, even as I speak now and we reflect on this together, it can be helpful to, if it's possible for us to think of a relatively mild pain, yeah, if it's possible. Yeah. And often, for many of us, um, if our pain is more strongly emotional, helpful to look at the body. If there's a lot of pain in the body, helpful to maybe l- think about um, something unpleasant, like an unpleasant sound, yeah, and how we meet this in the reflection. Yeah? So we're trying to start to get to know this with milder things rather than with more intense things. Yeah, that's how we build up our capacity. And so what we are cultivating is the capacity when we meet that which is challenging, painful, unpleasant to us, to open up the possibilities so that we're not just limited by the habits of reactivity, which are habits of the human heart and mind, not our personal (coughs) habits, the habits of the human um, heart and mind, and then also the personal ways in which we've evolved those habits, trying to move from that reactivity or cultivating the possibility to move from that reactivity to um, response, responsiveness. This is quite a helpful and important distinction for us. 
from that reactivity, we just immediately pushes back, yeah, to a sense of responsiveness. What's, yeah, what possibilities do we have to respond here, yeah? and how that can come in with more sense of um, of agency, yeah, and of possibility and of range. And so if we kind of just look again with a sense of perhaps mild um, discomfort in the body or uh, a relatively mild, unpleasant sound. I mentioned the cockerel yesterday. (laughs) I knew, I knew that cockerel was going to come in and become major in this retreat. So not last night, the night before, uh, I woke up at about three in the morning and I was lying in bed and you know, I was hearing one of the tawny owls that kind of hangs out around Guy House and really enjoying it. You know, I love the, the call of the tawny owl, any owl, actually, <laughs> and really enjoying it. Yeah. And then, a little bit later, the cockerel started going, and it was still, you know, not far after three o'clock, I don't know, maybe half past three. And I was like, what are you doing? past three and I caught that you know that's a movement of reactivity right it's just like cockerel no yeah (laughs) tawny owl yes cockerel no it's the movement of, of reactivity that's just coming in and actually when we notice yeah and some of us have lots of practice opportunities at night when we're not sleeping. Yeah. Lots of practice opportunities. We just see uh, actually what is agitating right now is not the sound because the tawny didn't agitate. Yeah. It's the reactivity. Yeah. That's what's agitating. And there, yeah, freedom. That possibility then to say, ah, okay, I can change the way of relating. Yeah can change the way of relating. So, you know, when we find a degree of discomfort, either in the body with a mild discomfort or with something like that, yeah, with the sound that's arising, and we we look at our experience, there's a sense of, I don't like this, and this rejection that comes with that. That rejection actually impacts experience, yeah? Right? I think we just, that, that example was clear, right? Yeah? It impacts experience. It's actually the rejection to that sound that is causing the agitation. And so often, what we actually experience is the second arrow. (laughs) It's that movement of rejection. But we associate it, we think it's that. It's the cockerel that's the problem, or it's the sound that's the problem. I mean, even this morning, I was saying to Nathan, I don't understand, where is it? Where is it? Like, how come I can hear it? I've never heard it here before. Where is it coming from? <laughs> that kind of, that was not said with aversion. It was curiosity. But you can see the, the obsession with the mind with something, yeah? So it's not the cockerel. It's actually that movement of aversion, which is both causing a lot of the agitation and it's where we have yeah, possibilities of transformation. That second arrow. 
And so remembering, as I mentioned last night, the second arrows, they appear, they come physically, yeah, with a sense of contraction in the body and the tensing sometimes. And they come in the mind and in awareness. These kind of things like rejection, like resistance, like blame, like pushing away. And so we can kind of over and over see this to uh, deepen our understanding that what we experience as discomfort and pain, it has these different layers to it. And it's shaped by, to some degree also, by how we relate. And again, the importance then, from the reactivity, the non-intentional movement of, in this case, rejection, to the possibilities, how can I meet this another way? And again, when we bring attention, we see that very often, as human beings, the way we habitually relate, react, to what is unpleasant to us, actually does not attend skillfully to that experience, doesn't diminish the unpleasantness necessarily, doesn't increase the well-being necessarily. These habits of reactivity a lot of the time. And this is a helpful insight to have in, in the back of our minds as we kind of uh, move into practicing with what we normally see as unpleasant. Yeah. When we explore ways of relating to the unpleasant, the uncomfortable, the unwanted. To have that insight in the background, how am I relating? How am I relating and how is that impacting on experience? So, really helpful as a kind of shared understanding and commitment here between us. We're not actively going to look for the unpleasant. Yeah. We're not actively going to look for it. Mm-hmm. Remember this, this is an American phrase that I really like, don't trouble trouble. I think it's American, at least I heard it from an American. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Don't trouble trouble. We're not actively looking. Yeah. We know it's there and it will arise. Sit still long enough, unpleasantness will come. Yeah. We know it will arise. When it arises, the first step of our process is to recognize. Either to recognize there's something here that's unpleasant, or to recognize and acknowledge where we're at. Ah, there's resistance here. So recognition and an acknowledgement. It may seem, you know, when we hear it, just like, okay, yeah. And now what? And there is more, but not to underestimate the power of recognition, of acknowledgement. Yeah. Just stating something. Yeah. 
So when we recognize and acknowledge there's unpleasantness here and there's resistance, we're acknowledging the process. There's, yeah, there's a kind of a sensation or a sound or an event happening and there's the way of relating to it. There's the second arrow here. And that already opens up some space for it. Yeah, sensing, ah, I'm rejecting something or I'm contracted. Yeah, we don't need to figure out the whole thing. We just need to kind of sense, ah, have a sense of recognition and acknowledgement. This is happening. Yeah. This is happening. Not trying to change it in that moment. Yeah. I'm firing more arrows. Just recognizing and acknowledging that that is happening. And that already gives us some space, which is very, very valuable. Because part of what happens to us with any unpleasant arising, including our reactivity, which is an unpleasant arising, the resistance, the pushing away, the contraction, they're not actually pleasant to us. What happens is that awareness shrinks around that, which magnifies. There's an unpleasant sensation in the body, or there's an unpleasant sound. The awareness shrinks and contracts around it. And then it, we get a sense that this is everything that's happening. Yeah, magnified, amplified. Yeah, so just that recognition gives some space, opens up some space. So, first step, recognize and acknowledge. Both that there may be something unpleasant here, and any way that I'm uh, reacting to it right now. And then we start to play. So already with the recognition, there's a degree of allowance and we can kind of amp that up. We can dial up the volume of the allowance and we can just ask this as a question. Can I allow for this? Can I allow for the sound? to be happening at three o'clock in the morning. Can I just allow? Can I allow for the fact that I'm resisting it? Just allow. And just noticing how that feels. What happens to resistance when we allow it? What happens to the unpleasant when we allow it? We're interested to know this and to understand. And if the breath is a helpful aspect of experience for you, you can include the breathing here. Sometimes, you know, this word allowing can be quite scary for us because it's a sense of, I'll allow this in, and then what? So we might say, okay, I'm just going to breathe with it for one breath, for two breaths, for three breaths. Yeah, that gives it a sense, both gives us the sense of an action that we're doing and also gives us a sense of it's just for this amount of time. Yeah, I don't need to agree to this forever, but right now I'm allowing it. So we can just have a sense of that, just allowing. We can also do this a little bit differently. I'm going to give different little ways here. Yeah. We can breathe and relax tension around 
the experience of resistance or around the unpleasant or painful area in the body. Yeah, so breathing not just with it, but around it and inviting tension and contraction to ease. Yeah, so these are ways of the allowing, yeah, following on from the recognition. And then we can take this uh, down another kind of avenue. Yeah. And I'm saying I'm going to give different um, ways of working here. And I'm already going to say this. You don't need to remember all of them and you don't need to try all of them. Yeah. Just one or two or three max will be enough. Then we can start bringing creativity and investigation to get to know what is this sound or this sensation or this resistance that I'm seeing as something. What what is it actually? And so, for example, we can imagine if there's discomfort in the body, we can imagine the breath, if we're working with the breath, moving in and out of that area of discomfort. Imagine the breath actually moving in and out of there, not through the nostrils um, as we normally would. We can explore the edges. So, as I said earlier, our awareness shrinks around what we find unpleasant. Then if we start to explore the edges, it naturally widens. So if it's a unpleasant sensation in the body, you think, okay, here's the unpleasant sensation. What's, what happens if I move out towards its edges? What is that like? Or if it's an unpleasant sound, yeah? what happens when I move awareness to the edges of the sound? Yeah? Maybe just when it's starting to appear and disappearing, or this, the sounds around that sound, or the silence around that sound. Yeah? Does that make sense? So we have a place of, of playing there with moving the attention yeah, to the edges and exploring the edges. And this already kind of opens up the next possibility, which is to open awareness. Yeah. So I've said this a couple of times, but this is really important. The awareness shrinks and that shrinking impacts the experience. So we open to the edges, but then we can open even more. So if it's a sound, we open wider. We take in, you know, the whole space of sound. Yeah, we might get lucky and hear the tawny in there as well a little bit, even though it's quieter. Yeah. So we open up the awareness, or we open the awareness to the whole body, as we've been doing here in practice. Yeah, it will shrink around what's uncomfortable, but we open to the whole body. Yeah. And as we do that, yeah the awareness grows. And as the awareness grows, that particular event is held in a larger space. Yeah. And that, um, that can make a difference. Yeah. Can make a difference. Right, a few more ways, and I'm reminding you again, you don't need to try and remember all of this. It's just different things work for different people at different times. Sometimes what is fruitful is 
to pay attention to what is actually okay in experience. So the attention will be drawn to what is not okay. It's a habit of mind. But we can actually bring attention to what is. So as I said, um, you know, maybe I'm lying in bed and there's an annoying sound, but I might pay attention to the fact that the bed is comfortable. I like the mattress on my bed here at Gaia House. I'm sure it's not the case for everyone. They're different. But just for me, in that example, yeah, I might draw the attention to something that's okay. There may be an uncomfortable sensation in my back, but perhaps my little finger feels okay. Yeah? Or my hand. Yeah. Or it may feel like the whole body is uncomfortable, but I can draw attention to sound, and that feels okay. Yeah. Or I can draw attention to a soothing aspect of the breathing and that feels okay yeah or even nice so we can shift the attention that is also a skillful way of working um, with this and again we can see what does it do it does the same thing it opens up the canvas opens up the perspective on more that is going on Okay, another one, possibly my favorite. Bringing kindness, friendliness, compassion to the experience, um, to the unpleasant or the uncomfortable or even the painful. And it can be a sense of like we were doing yesterday in the meditation, receiving. Receiving in friendliness or bathing. Yeah, sometimes it can be bathing, yeah, caressing, soothing. Yeah. That sensation or that resistance. With compassion, friendliness, kindness. The last one, and this is to do with the body, if um, the contraction, the unpleasant sensation, the pain increases, or if this, uh, this is an area of injury that we know, or it's a chronic pain, yeah. or it just becomes a kind of intense struggle, yeah. then we can move. Yeah. As we've said here, we're allowed to move. Yeah. If that will bring release and relief. We're interested to incorporate that movement into our practice. Yeah. So we do it with mindfulness. We do it with attentiveness. We do it with interest and kindness. Yeah. It's not, okay, I'm stopping meditating, now I'll move and then I'll carry again. Yeah, carry on again. It's a sense of continuity there yeah, in the attentiveness. And also sometimes it can be interesting to see, this is a game I like to play, how much movement, how much change is needed in order to bring relief. Sometimes it's very little. And so it kind of helps the mindfulness there to see it this way. So hopefully we can see all of these ways which at least some of them are going to be on the notice board. Um, All of these ways um, of attending to discomfort include a shift in the way of relating. Primarily, the big shift is interest. 
interest and a sense of possibility. Yeah, like what can I do here? I'm interested in the experience and I'm going to see what's possible. What happens when I do this? What happens when I do this? How does that impact experience? From a sense of rejection and resistance and fear to some degree of allowing, some degree of interest, of agency, and with all of these non-identification. The sense of this is all that is happening. This is who I am. Opens up a little bit or a lot. So the sense of identification changes. And this is also... um, yeah, for our practice, really helpful to see. Yeah. Really helpful to see what happens to the sense of identification. So you may have noticed, if you're familiar with this paradigm, that we were following a paradigm called RAIN yeah. as we were doing that. Yeah, recognizing, we started with recognition, then we were looking at ways of allowing the experience that support allowing. Then we were looking at investigating, yeah, I, through doing things like imagining the breath going in and out of a painful area, yeah, or around uh, a sound that's unpleasant, or exploring the edges of something, or playing with the space of awareness. These all ways of investigation. And as we do them, there's that sense of loosening the identification which is the N of the rain, non-identifying. Yeah. Or not as much. <laughs> not as much, which is also something we can, especially if you have some familiarity with this, something we can bring yeah. to the practice. So any of these, they're kind of put in an order <laughs> like that because they flow on from each other, but we can also go directly to one of them. Yeah that feels more helpful and interesting for us. We can go to the recognition, we can go to the allowance, we can go to the investigation, we can go to the not identifying quite as much. Because they all ease levels of contraction that contribute to the perception of discomfort um, in ways that we're usually not aware of. So, don't, again, we don't need to, on this retreat, become skilled at all of these. It's enough to have one or two that feel either accessible, interesting, that maybe you're already doing, and kind of get familiar with them, get skillful with them. And this is kind of, uh, this is an interesting point Often what will happen is that we'll have a sense of, um, okay, here are ways to work, to meet the unpleasant, the painful, the uncomfortable. Great, I'm going to get rid of it. That that climbs in. That kind of hitches a ride on this. And again, recognizing that that's happening with compassion. It's not coming from a bad place. It's wanting something good for us. But also recognizing that if that takes too much emphasis, then it becomes another form of rejection. 
I'll be able to zap all the pain and the discomfort and the unpleasantness out of my life. So that's kind of, it's a fine line that we want to be aware of. I sometimes call this (laughs) deal-making. I'll do this work, I'll pay attention to you so that you go away. And then, yeah, often that that won't really work so well, but it's part of the process of learning and a lot of self-compassion, a lot of forgiveness as we do this. We're building a skill. We're building a skill, and this goes against the current of the habits of the human mind, not just your (laughs) human mind, not just mine. Yeah? It goes against the habits. One of the ways this path is described is going against the stream, and it's the stream of conditioning. Yeah? Stream of our internal conditioning. So it's not always easy, but it's, yeah, worthwhile to do. And really helpful, if it's possible, and I know that in this room in particular, this may be a big ask, if it's possible to work with the milder, yeah, unpleasant things first. And it may not always be possible. Yeah, and then we do our best. But if we can, working with the milder things is like working with the lighter weights. Yeah, when we try and get certain muscles in our body stronger. Yeah, the same with the mind working with the lighter weights. So I'm aware that I'm going on a bit long, but just a few more things, and then we'll have some peace. Um, So much of this way of working, uh, we we were really kind of emphasizing um, the unpleasantness in the body or with sounds. Um, Much of this may be applicable to other things. Yeah? For example, um, the very common um, hindrances or obstructions that arise in meditation. Yeah? Things like aversion, like restlessness, like tiredness, like doubt. Yeah? So this kind of paradigm or formula, yeah? like saying, ah, recognize there's doubt here. That's telling me you can't do this. Yeah? Recognizing, allowing it, then investigating, and not identifying, not believing. We can use this um, also with that, or just other things that we talked about. Just, ah, there's aversion here, or there's restlessness. What happens if I expand awareness? Same thing. It can work, because suddenly there's more space for that restlessness to move through, or there's more space for that aversion to be there. Or what if I kind of pay attention to something that is not that. Yeah. So there's a version, but maybe I can pay attention to something that feels pleasant right now or that I'm grateful for. Yeah. So we're opening up the space. Yeah. So we're not going to go into that in, in a lot of detail, but just want to say that. Yeah. These kind of, um, we're primarily working with discomfort um, and unpleasantness as it arises in the meditation through the body, sound, with our primary anchor. But this can also be applied uh, to these movements of mind uh, that come up. The restlessness, the tiredness and dullness, the aversion, the desire, the doubt um, can be very, very powerful with them. It can also be something that we, with time, can apply 
to the more sticky phenomena of our experience. Yeah? The thoughts, the emotions, the mental states. Yeah? These are harder to work with. Yeah? They're more complex, and so we get more entangled with them. And that's why, as much as possible, we emphasize, yeah, again, working with what is more uh, mild initially. Yeah? But as I think Nathan said yesterday, you know. Yeah? your own experience. We've been saying it in the gentle movement in the mornings, but it's, it's true with other things as well. You know what your edges are. You know um, kind of what your working territory is. So important to say here, these ways of working can be applied uh, to more things. Okay. And maybe also to say, to accept some discomfort in the body will arise if we're sitting still for long periods of time in the day. Um, So we want to know how to attend to it. And we also know that some of it is just part of the territory. Um, Yeah. And of course, including movement stretches um, that can support you through the day. All right. We have a little time to practice, so if you need to stretch any part of the body before we settle in for about 15 minutes of stillness, then please do. And then taking your time when you're ready. If you need a bit longer to stretch, then please do that. (coughs) And when you're ready, settling into your posture. No rush. And inviting the attention into the body as you settle into the posture, as you make any adjustments. That may be helpful. So that the body's as supported steady, balanced as possible.
feeling the contact areas of the body with that which supports the body. Letting the awareness come more fully and deeply into the body as you bring attention to the contact sensations. So grounding awareness in the body and in the sensations of contact between the body and that which supports it. At the same time softening and opening the awareness through the body. Expanding to feel the whole body sitting here. Awareness. Softening and opening through the whole space of the body. Tuning in to interest and kindness and attention, friendliness and receptiveness and attention. And opening to feel what would be an appropriate and supportive anchor. Could be the breath, the whole body, sound. Once you're clear about that anchor, what the anchor is for this time. And receiving the anchor of attention, breath, the sound body sensations or metaphrases, receiving it in attention, interest, kindness, friendliness.
So let's take some minutes in silence to establish the practice more fully. Just noticing what's unfolding in experience right now. 
If there's any frequency of unpleasantness in the body, in the hearing, just noticing what happens when we open the space to the whole body or to the whole soundscape. Perhaps seeing what happens if we invite relaxation to the whole body or the area around the discomfort. Or even if it's a painful or uncomfortable sensation in the body, what happens if we imagine the breath or the sound coming in and out of that area? Exploring one of these for a while or perhaps just bathing in compassion and kindness. Of course, if there isn't anything unpleasant drawing the attention, staying with the anchor that we've chosen, continuing to gather and settle the attention with the anchor. And with the unfolding moment by moment of experience.
And when the bell rings in a moment, not rushing. Noticing if there's any part of awareness or of the body that's contracted. And what happens when the sound of the bell is heard. Feeling and expanding any degree of softening and opening of awareness that's available. So as we transition, I just want to say a few words about the movement or walking practice. Um, one interesting thing about it is that sense of continuity that opens up. So if we can have um, an interest in the continuity. Uh, so the bell rings in here. And instead of saying, okay, over... Yeah. Just having a sense of a light continuity, uh, interest and kindness as we change p- posture, as we maybe stand, walk out, put our shoes on, not with a lot of heaviness and seriousness, but a light thread of continuity. Yeah. To go to the bathroom, make a cup of tea, whatever we're doing, take a drink, and then continue with the different form of practice, whatever form that takes for you. As Tony said very beautifully um, yesterday, there's two aspects of what is traditionally called walking practice and we're attempting to call movement practice here um, that are important and that we can explore how we adapt. One is the... um, the, the kind of difference between stillness in here to something that we're doing with movement. So it's a little bit more complex. Yeah. And the other is for many of us being outside. Yeah. Might not necessarily be for all of us. You can also do this practice indoors if that's a better place for you. But the kind of sense of the interaction with the world and particularly with nature. So both of these, uh, something to kind of cont- contemplate and mull for ourselves. Uh, how, how is this helpful? Yeah, so we might be lying down on the grass and just moving um, a finger. Yeah. Or feeling the, uh, how when we breathe, how the body rests more fully into the ground. Just that natural movement, but we're just paying attention to that. So those are some examples of how we can adapt the practice to what is nourishing. Another word that Tony was using very beautifully for for us and appropriate to our body, heart and mind. Um, And yeah, and I would also say, um, 
Yeah, seeing if we can also see some degree of um, nourishment of even beauty. If that's available, not pushing that. But the touch of the body on the earth. Just that touch, just that contact. Feeling that support. Whether it's through the feet or the whole body or part of the body. Depending on what posture you're in. Just seeing if we can feel that a little bit. If this is uh, possible for you and interesting for you, just letting ourselves be held uh, by the earth, by the space, by the air, by the green, by the flowers, whatever. Whatever any of that is relevant for you, then please use it. And if it's not, then let it drift off in the breeze like a butterfly. So thank you and we will transition and meet here again in 45 minutes. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.